Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 324. And tonight, we have several things we're talking about. We're going to talk about a little Peaky Blinders. We're going to talk about a little Russian doll. But we also first have to discuss the return of San Diego Comic-Con. And that looked like quite a party going on there. I've scrolled through some of the uh, cosplay and um, the collectibles photos that you posted from there. There's always some... That man, that picture of... um, Alita One, the Transformers doll. Oh, oh so pretty. She was so pretty. I don't always like all the... Like, I'm not really that much of a toy person. I have a Soundwave collection. But a lot of the figures, you're like, nah, I guess those are fine and everything. Oh, but when they do the faces so nice, that's what I love. Yeah. Well, that was always what drew me to Alex Milne's Transformers artwork, was that he would do good faces. And I mean, managing to do expressions on characters that don't even have a mouth or, you know, they don't have actual eyes, they just have a visor. And he could still manage to nail the expressions on that. So that, that impresses me the most. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of really impressive things about the body design and the Transformers work and the details. It's all faces for me. Yeah, it seriously is. So anyway, yes, San Diego Comic-Con, very fun time. I thought they were very good about making sure people were wearing masks, though you did see people not wearing masks all the time, especially outside in a crowd. I'm like, you guys, monkeypox is a thing right now. All the time wear the masks. But for the most part, I thought that was pretty good. There was a big line outside where you went to check Either you had to verify your vaccination status or verify that you had a negative COVID test. So they were doing that. I don't know how carefully they were checking people's stuff, but, you know, at least they were making a token gesture. But, uh, yeah, I'm sort of quarantining right now, sort of. I really am quarantining right now because, I don't know, I'm hoping for the best, hoping I didn't get sick. I would be happy to not get anything. I would be happy to not get con crud because that's a thing I usually get. Well, I noticed that all the cosplay photos that I really liked, the interior ones, people incorporated masks into the designs. Mm-hmm. And I yes, noticed that you were wearing a mask every time you posted a selfie, which was cool. But but yeah, some of these cosplay photos, like um, the steampunk Princess Leia holding a um, a Grogu doll in a Mandalorian helmet. I mean, that, yeah. that kind of a mashup is very cool. I do kind of want to know what's going on with the half-naked guy covered in pineapples. That was an interesting cosplay choice. I, that was outside of the Prism booth, Prism Comics, and they always have an LGBTQ series of panels, and they have LGBTQ representation in their comics, and I believe he was attached because he did look very fabulous. Oh, he did! Yes, it, was, it wasn't just, you know, a, a grass skirt, it was a glittering grass skirt he was wearing. He looked wonderful. Interesting to note, though, cosplay was light this year. I felt like the cosplay shots that I got, they were very good quality. People would work very hard. But there weren't nearly as many this year as in other years. I thought, hmm, partly it's hard to incorporate a mask into your costume. Maybe some people are just like, "Ah, I think I'll wait to show this off when I don't have to wear a mask. But Lauren, because Lauren tends to go for the darker side of things. She's like, well, you know, a lot of people did lose their jobs during the pandemic. So maybe people didn't have money for that kind of thing. I'm like, that's also a possibility. That's the amount of money that some people must have poured into these costumes. I mean, just to get a really good wig for a costume will set you back. And that's like one of the most minor parts of a costume. 
Oh, God, yes. But So, yeah, cosplay, what there was of it, I thought was very good quality. And then I went to several panels. I tried to represent Marvel and DC and IDW when it comes to comic books. Now, there was, of course, a big Marvel panel in Hall H that I did not go to, partly because I don't want to go stand in line for a long time, and partly because I didn't want to be in Hall H when there's a pandemic going on. But I went to the Marvel Comics, and they have, we've got pictures that are up on the site of all the various storylines that are going to be starting. And it looks very exciting, and the art looks really good. DC, I thought it was interesting. Their big thing that's coming up is called DC, it was a Dark Crisis, is what Mm -hmm. they're calling it. Ah, then they revealed during the panel, the full name is DC Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, because they're jumping back into the multiverse, because Marvel said Because Marvel did it first. Yes, okay. Well, come on, DC. I guess I can't blame them, because they have literally been throwing everything at the wall to see what would stick. So why not glom off of the popularity of what the other publishing company is doing? Yeah. Also, I mean, to glom off the popularity of something that they already did many years ago. I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths did very well for them, and they've jumped back to that several times, which, fine, you know, Marvel does the same thing. Marvel, the Secret Wars that we loved so much back in 2014, uh-huh. it was sort of a reflection of a Secret Wars that had come many years before. They just, they did it really well the second time around. <laughs> well, speaking of Marvel and other things, that trailer for Wakanda Forever is oh, just amazing. Goodness. Oh, so pretty and looks so oh god powerful like this is just going to stomp on our hearts this time yeah I think it is all of the Marvel news that came out of it every single trailer just looked amazing Um, the Marvel that's the thing everything that you can see in Hall H will be on the internet right after the panel I haven't even begun to dive into all the stuff that they released yet and then I also went to the IDW panel which I thought was fun Scott Snyder is there and they have an anthology series called Dark Spaces that's coming up where um, it's like three or four issues of one story and then they'll jump to another artist and writer for another few issues and everything and all that I thought sounded really good because they're really trying to highlight independent creators um in my heart of hearts I hope somebody would maybe just mention Transformers and how they're not going to have that anymore but that was not what the panel was about so there was no 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 comments whatsoever (laughs) but one of the first stories that's coming out that Scott Snyder is writing it's about women who are part of the California penal system, and they are members of the forestry service, because that's the thing that actually happens, that inmates can get a chance to get out of prison and also possibly get perks and maybe get released soon if they agree to become firefighters. So you have these women who are being paid, most of them about two bucks a day, to protect these lavish homes in California. Mm. And it's sort of, yeah, it's a microcosm of everything that's going on in the world right now, but it's also a heist story because they decide to maybe rip some stuff off before the house burns down, you know? So it's a, it sounds like that's going to be an interesting project going on there. Yeah, it's rather topical because apparently the entire area around Yosemite Park is burning to the ground right about now. Yeah. I was, weren't you and Nathan planning on going to like Yosemite? Yes, or in September, which, you know, mom, who, you know, has to provide commentary on anybody's plans. And she said, yes. oh, well, when you go in the fall, you won't really get to see all the uh, waterfalls that they have that are pretty spectacular mm. in the summer and the spring. And I'm like, yes, yeah. well, we talked about it again. And she said, oh, yeah, Yosemite's got all those fires around it. And I said, yes, I'm glad we didn't go in the summer and the spring because it probably would have been on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay for us to talk about this because mom doesn't listen to this. No, podcast, mom doesn't so listen no. to this. So. Nah, it's fine. Anyway, 
Anyway, so that's basically Comic-Con in a nutshell. Yes, uh, except for the fact that I really enjoyed the cosplay that you had this oh, year. Yeah. Okay, so if anybody saw us, God, when was that? 2019? Something like that. Yeah, it was a few years ago. Yeah. So we loved the emoji bots that were one of the 12th Doctor's uh, nemesises, whatever. It's funny, the episode itself is not that interesting. Um, We didn't like how he treated the colonists at the end of it, whatever. But you have these little tiny robots and their faces change expression. And they have this one expression. It's kind of this meh sort of look on their face, which we loved because it looks a lot like our stick people. And so we did an Emojibot cosplay and we used sort of pre-made rubber helmets that we had bought that Mm -hmm. were fine, whatever. Catherine recreated new helmets and you started with giant Easter eggs? Yep. You go to Michael's and you get the great big uh, Easter eggs that are filled with like about a hundred or so little Easter eggs. And I went ahead and I donated all of those little Easter eggs to the church. People are probably still wondering where the heck they came from because that was like years ago. But yeah, and I um, I glued them together and I cut out the you know opening for your head and then the opening for the face. And then I used a shit ton of Bondo on that and just polished oh, the heck out of it until it was a smooth dome. And uh, I loved the findings that you found for it, the brass findings for that. And of course, the face, which was perfect. And then you redid the feet out of uh, foam instead of cardboard. Yeah, I checked in with the Arizona Autobots because they have Transformers cosplay. And of course, it has these giant legs. And I said, how in the world do you keep them on? So first, they build them out of foam, you get EVA floor mats, I found them in white, they're textured on one side, but they're smooth on the other. So I just put the texture on the inside, and you use contact cement to glue it together, which is basically like rubber cement. And I'm thinking, it's never going to work. No, seriously, you get like you put the contact cement on both of the flat sides that you're going to glue together, and then you let it dry, which is counterintuitive. And then after it's dry, you stick it together and you better be ready when you stick it together because it's not going to come apart once you do. I mean, I have like little collars that I built on the inside of the legs that sort of rest on my foot. So I kind of point my toe when I go inside and then I flatten it out and it rests on the foot. Hold the weight of the complete leg. I mean, it's just it absolutely no problems. I had no tears, no rips, nothing came apart. That stuff sticks. It's great. Yes, I will be heading to Lowe's to get myself some of that soon because I do want to go to um, Bull City Comic Con and I want to go to Oak City Comic Con next year. And yes. I do want to have the emoji bot because I like the idea of the emoji bot appearing in just various places around the world. Yes, yes. And also, a side note, at Comic-Con, there were no Doctor Who cosplays. None. That's amazing. Uh, there was one Doctor Who panel that I saw. It's like the future of Doctor Who. I wasn't interested in sitting in on it because I haven't caught up in the episodes. I didn't want to get spoiled. But I just kind of hung around outside to wait while people left to see if maybe I could, you know, get my photo taken. with I had the costume. The head was off at this point. And everybody lets out of the panel. And I'm looking and looking and looking. Not one single Doctor Who cosplay. I could not believe it. Why? I guess, is everybody just losing interest in the series as a whole? Or is another one of those, maybe Doctor Who cosplayers were hit harder by the um, pandemic job losses? I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, so I was glad that there was at least one Doctor Who cosplay there. And it was me. (laughs) Thank you to my friend Alex, who took pictures of me. And also, I wanted to practice walking all the way from one side of the top floor of the convention center across the sales pavilion to the other side to see if the legs would stay on and if I could make it work. And I could. However, Alex had to carry all of my stuff. Couldn't do, <laughs> couldn't do all of that. Well, that was something I remember.
remember in that panel we sat in on years ago about cosplay and the things you don't think about. And the one thing they said was you need a friend to carry your stuff. And you need, even if they're not carrying it all the time, somebody's got to be there for you to go, here, hold this so you can take a photo. That is exactly right. I was doing that for my friend Lauren. She had several anime cosplays this weekend. And anytime someone asks a picture, I'm like, here, here, let me get your bag. So that worked. Uh, The faces on the emoji bots, I love how you've got them so they're held on by magnets. Mm -hmm. I definitely had the face off while I was walking. I held it up a little bit in front of me so people could kind of see what I was, but you can't see anything out of those tiny little eyes. I know. And when we first did that cosplay between the bulky cardboard legs and the uh, the eye holes, uh, we weren't really moving very much when we wore those. No, no, no. But anyway. So anyway, yes, uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2022. Go look on the site. We've got my cosplay photos are all up there, all the shots that I've taken. And we had... Alex and Lauren and Stephanie were there, and they have taken pictures as well. And so their stuff's going to be up as well. Cool. So I figured we could go on to Peaky Blinders, because I didn't want to end on a down note. Because, wow, this series of Peaky Blinders was kind of a downer. And we finished it up, and I was just like, that's really where we're going to end it. I mean, this is supposedly the last... TV show. I mean, they said yes. they were going to be doing a movie. I didn't realize they were going to be leaning so hard on the movie to continue the story. Yes, because it ends big old cliffhanger. But I was just reading a recap to catch myself up today from The Guardian. And they talked the entire way through like it's a known thing. It's going straight into the movie. So this was all done pretty deliberately to make sure that the movie does well, because you want to have people keep coming back. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it not I wouldn't say it was a satisfying ending, only because it wasn't supposed to be a satisfying ending. Right. Yeah. And there were, I mean, poor Lizzie. I just, I do, she bailed. And I think it was a good thing that she bailed. And I think yeah. in a way, Tommy was instrumental in giving her the reasons to bail because mm-hmm. he didn't want to keep inflicting himself and his life on her. But still, it was very sad that she's leaving and his son wants to go with her. And he actually yeah. he actually tells Lizzie that he wants to go with her because he says, you're not my mom, but you're more my mom than he's my dad. Yeah. Like, ow. Ow. Which I hope she's okay with that because that wasn't ever her son. I hope she has a really good connection with him because it's like... I don't know. I mean, if she's okay with that, it's great. If she's not okay with that, great. Her ex, who basically ruined her life, also foisted his son off on her. So yeah. That's okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Boy, but a lot, of, a lot of people died. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and that was another thing I wondered about, because they lured that Irish chicken who um, helped to have Polly murdered. Yes. And they killed her and her whole crew. And they finished that up. And I told Nathan, if the plan for them was to lure them into trying to kill them and then killing them back. Why couldn't they do that episodes ago? Why couldn't they have done that seasons ago? Yeah, there's that was one thing the Guardian article, the recapper did enjoy it, but did know that a lot of people have been complaining that this particular season meandered a little bit. And they're like, well, okay, so they had to make changes because of the death of Helen McCrory. That's a big thing. And also the pandemic just runs roughshod over everything. I mean, entire storylines had to be changed because of Polly. And then who knows, maybe people dropped out, maybe scheduling, whatever. So yeah, some things kind of went around in a circle. And certainly, um, it might have been a little contrived about what happened with Tommy's tumor. 
Right. Yes. I was very happy that I seemed to have caught that before Nathan did when Tommy goes to, you know, he's, he's about to take himself out with his gun. And then he gets a vision of his little girl telling him he needs to start the fire and he'll see that he needs to live. And he goes to grab the newspaper that he's using for kindling. And there's a picture of Mosley and his, um, fiance getting married and behind him in the group of all the people at the wedding is Tommy's doctor. I'm like, oh, it's Tommy's doctor. Oh my God. So yeah, he was faking that the entire time. And that, I don't know. It's almost like James Bond sometimes. It's like, well, if you want to take him out, just shoot him with a gun. But no, they yeah. had to do this whole thing to convince him that he was actually dying so that he would take himself out, which... I guess that works, but you got to yeah. like make sure that the doctor doesn't come out in public with your mortal enemy until after Tommy's dead. That would have been a good plan. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, it's just like like most of Peaky Blinders, we don't know exactly how much of the supernatural stuff is really supernatural. You right. Know? It yeah. could all be explained away, but maybe it really was the ghost of his daughter who filled him in at the last possible second. We don't know, but... Um, also, the end of Michael? Oh, my goodness. That was very abrupt. I mean, yeah, yeah that was I, I thought that was very good that they did the switcheroo on the bomb to take out all of Michael's uh-huh. henchmen. But again, they just shot him. I'm like, that seems like a very abrupt way to end the story. And I get the idea of Helen McCrory had still been alive. That probably would have been a much more convoluted storyline going on. Yeah. I wonder if um, uh, Michael's uh, wife is going to, what's her name, the actress who's so good, uh, DeJoy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She's coming back in the movie. So I would hope so. She's a strong old person. Yeah. Or she's going to be wanting some revenge. My heavens. Well, wow. she was also sleeping with Mosley, so it's not like her heart was completely hung up on Michael, but she's a very True. pragmatic woman, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess that sounds And, about and here's a question. Finn. Yeah. Tommy and Arthur's brother. Yeah. Uh, gets kicked out by Tommy's illegitimate son um, for not wanting to shoot the mole in the organization. And that felt really abrupt. Nathan wants them to address that a lot more in the movie about why exactly was that the deal breaker to get him kicked out of the family? I don't know. It's funny with that mole guy. Um, He was the one who they had convinced him to, I don't know, what was he? It was something with all the betting. He was helping. He used to be a big sports star, and they just like oh, yeah. bullied him into joining up with the Peaky Blinders and helping to fix matches. Yeah, and they just they just basically broke the guy. And then I I see his ending too, and I'm just like, God, that guy just couldn't catch a break. He really God. couldn't. And Nathan had guessed that that was who the mole was. I did not. Simply because I thought when he picked up a phone at the end of last season and, you know, there was this idea that, ooh, maybe he's the one who's calling in the information. I thought, no, he's too terrified. He's been terrified the moment they brought him on screen of the Peaky Blinders. There's no way he would do something that dangerous to get him on an even worse side of the most dangerous family in the entire area. Yeah, he did. And now he's dead. Yep, yep. That's that's the end of that guy. So, oh, and then, of course... You have Tommy's daughter who died, which Mm -hmm, was tragic mm -hmm. and awful. And then the very next episode, like it starts out, he actually did track down the woman that he thought like put a curse on everything and shot her and her family like a little old lady just blew them away. That was... (sighs) 
Does that feel a little bit like a deal breaker with Tommy? Like this is the point where I he's done so many horrible things, but it feels like slaughtering an entire family because of gypsy shit is uh, sort of like a bridge too far. I thought so too. It, it takes him very far. I mean, it's he's always been pretty a bit too much of a villain to be an anti-hero, but this definitely drags him away from the anti-hero idea. I mean, I know he's got some plots and some plans to do so, but it's always about the family. It's mm-hmm. always reaching for that extra thing that's probably a little bit too far past his grasp. But yeah, blowing away a little old lady because he thinks that she put a curse on him because he's so sad about his daughter. I was just like, wow. Wow. That was, okay. that was a bit much, I thought, for yeah. Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, bleh. can you think of any other momentous moment? I mean, there was so much that went on in those last few episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was pretty brutal. So um, yeah. When's the movie coming out? Because I'll be watching it. I mean, I might oh, have problems yeah. with the last episode, but I'll be watching the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was never boring. I, for anybody who says it was meandering, that's fine. But I always enjoyed it. I mean, it was some of the choices are weird, but I still enjoyed it. See, I, I've never watched any of the movies that have come out for the Downton Abbey series. But I don't watch those, partly because I don't want to be disappointed, but also because they wrapped up everything so beautifully in that last episode of the series. I'm like, oh my God, everybody's happy. Now leave them alone. Don't don't put them through any more crap. But here with the Peaky Blinders, well, you already know they're miserable, so I don't have to worry about them being made more miserable, I think. Maybe there's a chance they could be less miserable. That'll never happen. No. So uh, moving on, speaking of series that um, have continuations that we're not sure they should, you finally finished watching the first season of Russian Doll. Oh, yes. Okay, so the second to last episode is where things just absolutely kicked into high gear. And I loved every bit of it. I mean, it was already weird that the main characters kept dying and they kept Mm -hmm. on and then things would get even more weird, like his... You know, the the engagement ring that he had bought, it disappeared. Um, you would see fruit that had managed to start rotting at some point in between, like, the few hours since it had been put on the table. So, yeah, that was strange. But then people started disappearing. And yes. I was like, I knew that the party was a little bit more sparse. But then I was like, you know, she wakes up after in the bathroom after dying again. And I'm like... Oh, Nobody was pounding on the door to get in. And then the next time, oh my God, the door's gone. <laughs> and that yeah. was, and she's like, her friend Maxine is dancing by herself in the middle of an completely empty apartment. And what did that remind you of? Oh, 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 the Star Trek episode where everybody's disappearing with Beverly Crusher in the warp bubble. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I've got that in my notes. Oh, it was great. And I listened to. I listened to an interview. I forget what the hell podcast I was listening to at one point, but it was with one of the creators of Russian Doll. They started disappearing things from that party from the very first time it loops. Really? Every time. There's stuff. There's always stuff that's going away. I don't know what those things are. But yeah, that was planned from the very beginning, that every time she comes back, things are gone. And they apparently had to map the hell out of that to like keep track of like what what needs to be gone in this time. Because you're not always filming everything in order. Different scenes are going to happen different times. So you've got to go back and be like, okay, what's in the room now? What's not in the room anymore? It's just crazy. So yeah, that second to last episode and okay, because she kept like, 
she kept on having to call in a gas leak at her uh, aunt's. Was it her aunt, Ruth? I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. She kept on having to call in a gas leak because a couple of times she died because of an explosion. And then mm-hmm. when she's sitting down and talking with her and finally telling her that she has been shouldering the guilt of being a little girl who didn't want to live with her messed up mom anymore, even though she mm-hmm. never actually said that. And Ruth says, I'm going to make us a cup of tea. And I'm sitting there going, no, don't. And then things don't explode. And then things, even she's a little amazed. She's like, I can't believe I'm still alive right now. And then she finally takes the book that she adored when she was a little girl and goes to meet her ex-boyfriend's daughter to give it to her. And then she starts coughing up blood in the middle of the restaurant. And I'm sitting here going, oh, God, no, stop. And that's the little girl is talking to her and it becomes herself as a little girl and says, there's still a piece of her inside you. And she pulls a mirror shard out of her throat that was, you know, back to when her mother was obviously very mentally impaired and smashing mirrors all over the apartment. And herself as a little girl looks down and says, this is the day we get free. And that's where the episode ends. And the whole time, Alan, who's been dying along with her this entire time, he's having to learn about, I don't know, just how miserable his girlfriend had been the entire time. But she didn't want to tell him because he always wanted everything to be perfect. And he would get so upset when it wasn't. But he never saw that. Yeah. So then you get into the final episode. And... It starts out and both of them wake up in the bathroom and they're looking in the mirrors, which are now back. And they're at the, she's at the party where everybody's there and she's so happy. And I just love that scene. I mean, all those times that she bailed on Maxine's party and all of her other lives. And she tells Maxine that she's leaving and Maxine gets really, really angry and throws a glass of water in her face and they both glare at each other. And then they burst out laughing. I'm like, oh, thank God. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, it's so. The way they delivered that because because Nadia just goes, why the fuck would you do that? And your friend Maxine, ow. <laughs> they were, I loved those ladies so much. They were so great. Yeah, but I just, I don't even know if we could go into detail everything that happens in that last episode, because it's just so freaking clever what they yeah. do and how there is still something left to resolve. And it all comes down to like two people having to, not just care about what happens to somebody, but to actually sit and think about what another human being needs, even if that person has never met them. And they have no like, like reason to believe this strange person that's talking to them about dying multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her cat oatmeal that she'd been searching for from the beginning of the episode, had oatmeal always been a bodega cat? I mean, I knew she said that she didn't like claim the cat and would let him wander whenever he wanted to. But when she brings him back to the bodega and he's like, oh, thank you. And you see that there's a bowl of food down in the basin for the cat. I'm like, huh, okay. For some reason, I just thought it was like her cat that she allowed to be astray. I didn't realize it was like entirely somebody else's cat for the most part. I, you know, I don't even remember at this point, but that sounds right. I think that was something we were supposed to assume this entire time. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I, I want to watch the second season, though Hannah says that it's, there's a little bit of that feeling like, they did such a good job with that first season and they told exactly the story they wanted to tell. And it was so successful that Netflix is like, oh, make another one. And now it's like, um, okay. And she said, it feels a little like that. Like this person had an idea, they completed the thought and now they're tacking on something else to it. But 
I am still going to watch it. I'm still curious, but just that last episode, the end of that last episode with them in that impromptu parade of homeless people and homemade masks and torches and music and them dancing along. And I just, I really hope that a lot of the good things that happened with both Alan and Nadia ended up in that final version of the timeline with the two of them together. That's what I'm hoping. Yes, that's all we can hope. Oh my goodness. But the only thing I'm going to mention is that I still haven't finished watching the final episode of Stranger Things. Really? It's so long. And you sent me a link to Greg from the How to Drink YouTube series, which is very fun. If you guys have never watched that, just look up How to Drink on YouTube. It's really hilarious. But he watches a lot of pop culture stuff. And he made this comment that he was just drunk enough to tell everybody that he was really not into the last two thirds of the last episode of Stranger Things. And his tweet says, it was like they were trying to do an example of how not to make a movie or TV show and took every possible opportunity to quote unquote, tell instead of show. So for three hours, every possible character pairing got a seven minute hallmark heart to heart convo again and again forever. And that is fair. And it happens over and over again. And it's really irritating. I'm just like sitting here watching it going, Oh, they're having a moment. Oh, here's another couple characters. They're having a moment. And the pacing, it is so slow. And it's just it's trying so hard to be like earnest. And I just, I'm not enjoying any of it. It's a shame because I thought the episode that came before it was actually pretty good. But the Netflix bloat is out of control on this series. I don't know who needs to collar somebody and tell them to knock it the hell off, but it's pretty bad. I wonder sometimes if the actors are like their agents are finagling them. We have got to get a standalone moment for this character to deliver a soliloquy so that other people will see what a good job they're doing in acting and cast them for more roles, which you would think that was kind of a given with the fact that they're in a wildly popular uh, Netflix series. You know, surely that you don't need to have another audition reel in the middle of an episode. No, but Hannah did point out that apparently Netflix measures the popularity and the successfulness of a show by how many hours people spend watching it. So it's encouraging creators to make longer episodes and longer seasons. That's a terrible metric. It is, but what would be a better metric? Like, I think Hannah may have suggested how many people finish a series. Yeah, that's the one I would think. Like, how many episodes are completed to the end and how many series are completed all the way through. That's how you know it's successful. And that gets people to, like, get to the point. (laughs) Also, rewatchability. Surely that should be something. I mean, I know that that adds to the length that people are watching something. But if you like something enough to go back and watch it again, surely that would have a little bit more weight than just suffering through a two and a half hour long episode. Yeah, and it's by making the final episode so long, like more than two hours long, it's such a gotcha because if they really are measuring by hours, you know, a lot of us, if we have actually made it to the final episode, I mean, we're gonna finish the final episode. We have to. So you're making a slog through two and a half hours of this. I'm like, that's treating your fans really badly, you guys. I don't like yeah, it. No. It is. And it's also convincing people like me who haven't even finished the third season that I'm not in a huge hurry to go back to it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. But I am uh, on uh, breaks in between. I've been watching a little bit of the Picard season, which has been fine, I guess. But I've 
I've also been, of course, rewatching B stars with the Spanish language hey, version. Hey, I just not? I just finished that the first time through with um the Spanish language, and yeah, I feel That's like good, I feel it? like I'm enjoying it, and I'm learning something. <laughs> I do too. Yes, exactly. And the animation, God, it's it just knocks me over every time. The animation is really good. Yeah, and I can't wait for the third season because I've been trying to resist reading the manga when I go into Barnes and Noble because I don't want to be spoiled for it, but I want more content now. Yeah. Oh, speaking of more content, you know, we'll do our Laura Olympus talk next week, but we should mention that Laura Olympus did win an Eisner Award at Comic-Con this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And well apparently deserved. She, she sold out all of her signed uh, copies of the first vo- uh, volume one. I don't know if it was everywhere, but there is a big, uh, there's, there's like a book area at Comic-Con and a lot of the different booksellers, like the different publishers, and sometimes the different big stores will have a booth there. Mysterious Galaxy is a very popular independent bookstore here in San Diego. They always have a big booth. They had a huge selection of her books that I saw, I think, on Friday, because I didn't go to the sales floor on Saturday. I went on Sunday. They were all sold out. All sold. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, aw. But also good. You know, it's just doing very well. Well, she's up for a Hugo Award for Best Graphic Novel, and I think she has a chance of beating Monstrous this year. I know Monstrous has won it a bunch of times in a row, but uh, in this, it's like... It's fantastic artwork and an incredible story, and yeah. it's wildly popular, and you understand what the hell's going on, which I didn't always with Monstrous. No, and I haven't I haven't read Monstrous in a really long time. I feel a little bit bad about that, but at the same time, I'm like, it really wasn't getting me anymore. But yes, yay for Laura Olympus. Yay! I guess that will wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. We already have five photo galleries up. We've got preview night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are up, and we are going to have photo galleries from Alex and Lauren and Stephanie and Lauren also did an interview. I do not remember who she did it with, but we're going to have that up on the site as well. So all of the content, if you happen to see yourself in a cosplay photo, make sure, shout out either on Twitter or Facebook or the comments. You know how these things work. We would love to tag you. But anyway, all that and more at pixelatedgeek.com. So next week, we will have Laura Olympus. Which I have been seeing the fast passes uh, coming up. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to see where the story is going. But I'm always curious to see. But in particular, there are some images that I'm like, oh, please let this be real and not just a flashback, please. Here's hoping, yeah. I don't think we're going to have Night Vale yet, right? No. How does time work? I I don't quite know think so. I think we're just maybe shy of getting another episode or not. Okay. But we won't recap it next week anyway, because we're sticking to the schedule. Yes, damn straight. Anyway, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. (laughs) 